Hello, everybody. And welcome back to the Chiluminati Podcast, episode 91. Ooh. As always, I am one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined my other co- co-host, Jesse Cox and Alex Fasciane. What's yeah. up, boys? How you doing? Schmello. Schmello. Yeah. Welcome back to the podcast where it's our job to make you go. Well, yeah, maybe that could be true. Mm, no. Okay. Mm. <laughs> no. Nah. Mm-hmm. I got to be careful exactly. as I proceed so I don't get radicalized. Mm. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Take it in by, by, by bit. <laughs> I was going to talk about like weird cryptids that are just pants, but I guess that's the path we could. Dude, yeah, don't right. you dare say a fucking bad thing about those fucking guys. Take Everybody loves them. There's the people that discovered them uh, through the through the podcast now are just like they're like, how did I never hear of these? The Fresno Nightcrawler. They're just pants. They're just, they're just pants. pants. They're they like, are. They are just. They are just pants. Bananas, pants. in pajamas. They're like. It's true. And you know what? We always need new pants. And thanks to Patreon, we can buy them. Oh no! This is gonna. That's my handoff to Alex as he's taking a sip from his Did you say Patreon, Mathis? Is that what you said? I did. Because let me tell you something. It's funny that you mention it because if you have any money in your pants, you might want to take it out of your pants and put it right into the Patreon. Because when you do that. It supports us. It keeps our show afloat. And in, an in, in addition to getting weekly episodes, which, by the way, was not a reality until you guys stepped up on the Patreon. Uh, now you get these great mini sods that, that are after every episode, another 15 to 20 minutes, sometimes way too much more podcasts like we go hella hella loose with that 15 minute time limit sometimes. We got so all this great deep. art, get first dibs on all the merch like it's a great beneficial like symbiosis thing for you and us so hop on there please so that we can keep doing this as our job it's true i uh we couldn't do this without you and jesse is so 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 proud right now of alex's uh shill it's just plastered on his face i just can't think of us as eddie brock and you are our symbiote me Uh, not you the listener oh okay and you're like all up on us and in us and then when we get really angry, you come out and like eat people. Eddie, I went to www.patreon.com slash Chiluminati pod. Eddie, 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 I supported the Chiluminati podcast at the $15 level, Eddie. They're so uncontrollable. Amazing. They're just, they hunger. Amazing. Well, on that amazing shill, are you boys ready to hop into some spooky stuff, some ghost stuff that is not a reader's story, but a true one of the world's most famous hauntings to have ever happened How have in, we not I guess you call this? it modern history. How have we not done this one? What is it? This is the haunting of Borley Rectory. Oh. Do you know Borley Rectory? Now, this sounds familiar to me because I think I saw an Yvette Fielding on this. If you guys ever remember that show, Most Haunted, I think I I do not. It's like the original OG, like British, like ghost hunting show that was like it had all the fake scandals. It had all the like they'd they'd bring in the psychic to like channel people. I think the Borley Rectory is one of their big episodes. It's a fascinating story with an interesting end that leaves some questions, but answers some others. Um, what about you, Jesse? Do you know anything about uh, Borley Rectory? Uh, I do, but I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. All right. I'm not I'm gonna, gonna, I'm interested I don't want to wanna ruin it. We had a whole podcast to do. I'm not going to be like, well, of course I do. I've done it before. I don't want to get yelled at by the internet. Uh, well, well, all right. No avoiding that, Jesse. You're always going to be yelled at by the well, internet. Well, let it be for something good. <laughs> I don't even think, you know what? 
conspiracy theory of all conspiracy theories. I don't even think anybody listens to this show. Conspiracy theory of all conspiracy theories. Yeah, I, think I have ch- one thousand computers. I'm the guy who bought all the graphics cards, <laughs> and I this only is just your play, thing. Yeah, I only play this show <laughs> repeatedly over and over again. You're just You're a super a great good job. friend to us. You're making us, giving us something to do during the pandemic. <laughs> you know, keeping us <laughs> so, excited, someone keeping has us researching. To. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Charlie from Charlie's Angels, but like weird and <laughs> fucked up. I only do oh it for one podcast. The Charlie, the Charlie the Charlotte yeah. <laughs> Well, the Borley Rectory is one of, if not one, uh, if not the most haunted house in all of England. They, uh, there was a time where they would see ghostly nuns, spectral, uh, invisible coaches carried by horses to the front of the house, and things flying across the house themselves, including gl- glass candle holders that smashed and uh, scattered across the floor, floor early on. When someone went inside to investigate, when they uh, when they first saw a light or an, uh, or a ghost, nothing would be on the inside. Yet on the outside, the wall uh, the wall and the windows always had something being visible to uh, the uh, the viewer. Um, now the one um, one account we're pr- primarily going to follow is that of a journalist by the name of VC Wall from 1929, who went and investigated this place personally before everything kind of went to shit a few years later. And this particular journalist spent days went looking to uh, over this place. What do you what mean went to shit? Don't spot just don't ask questions. Just go on the journey. <laughs> yeah, you know, go nah. on the journey. Um, <laughs> so on, the, on June 11th, 1929, a psychical researcher by the name of Harry Price. Read on, time Wall's out, time first, out, time out. A psychical. Yeah. Psychical researcher, Jesse. That is an actual I, term. Was Back this like in the days. In, of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, <laughs> Sean like, Connery. Or yeah. so it's a department of psychical research. <laughs> but not an I alienist. Mean, not an alienist, but a psychical no. researcher. Wait, what is an alienist? An alienist is the uh, old word for psychologist or like psychoanalyst. The guy who would like the dude who bad. would the guy who would try and get in the head of criminals who would like there's actually a show that's very very good on tbs i think or tnt one of those oh, called the is that alienist the show with uh dakota F- dakota fanning absolutely it is it's a very I thought good that was show. A show about aliens what a ripoff no it's it's just, yeah it's a show about crime how solving. is the alienist not a fucking alien hunter why, Dude, why aren't we alienists question i would so, love to be an alienist but that's not what the word means uh psychical um doesn't refer to that of like uh dealing with mental illness Psychical researcher is researching the paranormal and no, psychical that's, arts. That's why things got crazy because psychical is paranormal. Alienist is the psychologist. Yeah. They fucked yeah. up. It, it, they fucked it's up. Nuts. Yeah. It's if nuts. you're a psychical researcher, you're going to discover fucking Dinotopia or some shit. And if you're an alienist, you're going to be tracking Jack the Ripper, I guess. I don't Pretty know. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty yeah, much. no, you got it there, right, right there. Well, Harry Price, uh, the psychical researcher, had actually read a couple of, of early reports about the house where these mysterious figures were appearing in windows and whatnot and wanted to know what was going on. And within hours of having uh, read about it in the newspaper, the most famous era in Rectory's haunted history begun when he arrived. Keeping watch with Price the next evening after he arrived, Wall was certain that he saw the nun actually moving towards a stream in the garden, an actual full body apparition outside the Borley Rectory. Uh, for those who don't know, by the way, a rectory is a, um, a Catholic uh, place where uh, <laughs> a rectory. 
<laughs> where nuns live. Uh, it's like, uh, it's yeah, basically a Christian place where, where the nuns live and whatnot. I think the priest house is pretty close to the rectory, but I, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, just traditionally. Um, so they certainly saw a nun actually moving towards a stream out in the garden by the rectory. And soon after, a dark red candlestick glass whizzed by their heads, shattered against an iron stove. Pebbles and slate bounced down the stairs. Servants' bells began to ring on their own, and keys shot simultaneously from two doors outward and onto the floor. That's too oh. many. That's too many things at once. <laughs> The, the the biggest thing about this, and this is this is all I'm gonna say. As you listen, all I can think of every time I hear about the story is it was 1920 something, and I don't know if there's any this. evidence of any of this except for what a person wrote. So like, you can write anything. So yes. that's all I'm gonna say. If you're, However, if you're alone, go for it. You know what I mean? Fuck it. Nobody's gonna believe <laughs> you anyway. So you might as well just go for it. And then I well, the thing with that Borley Rectory is that multiple people were involved, and multiple pe- people said they had sightings. And so after that particular event, more than one, uh, a bunch of people briskly dashed up the stairs and failed to actually find any human pranksters in the rectory, assuming that initially all this stuff was happening from somebody trying to scare them, Uh, which at this time, the rectory was actually occupied by Reverend Guy Smith. Sorry, the rectory is where the priest lives. My bad. Um, But uh, yeah, this was being uh, occupied by Reverend Guy Smith at the time. And Guy Smith was nowhere to be found. Uh, He was not throwing candlesticks or anything down the stairs. And Borley Rectory's history actually ended up being um, built way back in the 1860s and occupied by two previous vicars, both of the same family, the Bull family, before Smith took up residence in 1929. It was erected on the site of at least two previous houses. And in 2001, local antiquarian Paul Kemp claimed the ghostly activity had been reported as early as 1819. With the nun allegedly cited in eighteen thirty six originally. Tell me at least that an antiquarian is a historian. Uh, I would imagine so. Actually, I just assumed that. Actually, a fish merchant. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. Um, From eighteen sixty three, the large family of the Reverend Henry Dawson Bull were distributed by uh, were disturbed rather by the sound of rushing water in the house itself which had neither uh, mains water nor interior pipes. Bells which rang even after the wires were completely cut because they were sick of the bells ringing. Rappings, crashes, and heavy footsteps in empty areas of the building. Again, this is the earliest uh, of the reported uh, of events, 1863. You're saying they cut the bell, like, tower Yeah, the ropes. server bells, they all were attached by string, and they, they no, cut so them. Like, because like the little bells are like, bing, 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 when you get a, yep. like a servant or some sort of, yep. like... And, so, you and know, they still uh, rang. Yeah. Yeah. They still rang. Things flew around. Heavy footsteps marched up and down stairs and the, the floor above them. And things were launched off shelves, crashing into the ground. Initially, much of the centered, as so often in, in like cases like this, on, as we've talked about in the past, a young daughter, Ethel, whose door was singled out for rapping each night and who once had her face slapped as she lay in bed to go Yo. to sleep. Just if somebody's fucking like, around, they better step off slapping children <laughs> in the face. Um, if that's you, Father a, John, you better calm your ass down right now. It's just some some old priestly ghost just super pissed off. I'm about to make a seat. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing forward a few more years into 1886, a new nursemaid, Elizabeth Byford, initially made light of the supposed haunted room allotted to her. 
But around two weeks Classic later, mistake. I know. Uh, and two weeks later, she woke up at midnight to the sound of slippered footsteps outside her door and presently quit that moment. She's like, nope, fucking out. She it quit only took after- footsteps. Yeah, because she was she made fun of it. She's like, no, there's no ghost. Ba, 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 ba. She wakes up to footsteps outside her door and she was like, you know what? I'm good. But footsteps, that's it. That's it. Slippered footsteps. Slippered here's footsteps. The, here's the thing. <sighs> she was shuffle, scared the entire time. Shuffle. The reason why she was like, I'm not afraid. It's fine. She was trying to convince herself. Classic. I would have been like, that could be anybody. Could be a ninja <laughs> just coming to kill me, a living normal ninja. Yeah. <laughs> but what if you heard the footsteps, Jesse, but you saw nobody under the door? I mean, it could be anywhere in the hallway. Real talk. <laughs> you know, I'm not laying down on the floor looking under the door. Yeah, I would hear the footsteps about and be like, there. all right, and then that's it. And then I would open the door and I'd see nothing and be like, all right, back to bed. I would be so scared. I wouldn't even move. Yeah, I would footsteps, be, I would footsteps be. but there are other people living there. If I knew that it wasn't somebody that was living there, if something about the steps let me know that it was like not normal, if it didn't sound right, like if, you know, like, for example, like I'm up a lot as the latest person up in my house. If I heard like footsteps in my kitchen at like 3 a.m., I don't know what I would do. But you don't because there's no one doing it. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, if I heard that my my first thing wouldn't be like I quit. I would just be like. <laughs> no, if you, if you heard footsteps in your kitchen at 3 a.m., I know you would jump up and be like, "Who is in my kitchen?" You I would be, be like, like, "I would be like, there would be peering around the door, yeah, creeping, I would be like, just barely sneaking to see." I would be like moving all slow, like just like, oh, "Who is it?" No, nah, I'd be like, "Ghost, don't eat my breakfast. The rest is yours. Do what you got to do. I'll be asleep." I got time for all this. Oh, yeah, I go to bed. I'm like, I got time for you. Go. There's no way you would hear footsteps in your fucking kitchen and go to bed. There's Here, no I, don't even tell me that. I I have a what? I have a thing with my apartment complex where I'm like, hey, if you need to like repair something, just come on in. So if at any I'm point if I heard footsteps, I'd be like, sup. And if there was ghosts, it's like, I'll swallow your soul. I'd be like, I don't think I'm OK with that. But like. I don't know. It's days young, so like, come back in a few hours. See how it goes. You're like, who knows? It's probably just a nun. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this, unlike the servant, the Bull family, who had taken residence at this place for many decades, did not get as scared so easily. The first Henry Bull kept up his duties until his death in May of 1892, and was immediately succeeded by his son Henry Foister Bull who held the living there until he died in June of 1927. Henry Foister seems outwardly to have been a kind of fun, jovial, energetic figure who liked running between church and the rectory on sermon days. He does not sound like the kind of person from uh, the, the people who lived in the area that they that he was the kind of person who imagined ghosts. However, I posit, just as a, a kind of devil's advocate, if you grew up with a father who was saying ghostly things were happening. Would you not, no matter how jovial you are also sort of kind of believe that if, if it was part of my life, it was part of my life. I would at least like not question it as much. It's like how it's like how Santa is, right? Like, sure. Nobody's like, get this. Like when you're 10 years old, nobody's like, there's this guy who comes and he brings you presents. You know what I mean? Like when you're 10, it's already hard to swallow that, but because it's been going on since you were, 
you know, before you can like form coherent thoughts, it's just, you don't think about it because you, you, there's too many other shit, new, new information to worry about. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know how long it would go, but I mean, we've all seen the village. I know what happens. Hi kids listening. How are you? Good. What? I didn't say anything about anything. I'm just saying it. Hi kids. Thanks for listening. Kids believe in Santa because they're told it from a young age. It's it's it, it. I don't think you could convince a 12 year old who'd never heard of Santa that that happens. Like a person just show, like sneaks into your home. Yeah, I mean that's what and it, it's that's cool. The story. And everyone's fine with it. Like a man breaks into your home and everyone's cool. I would never be like, "Sounds great, can't wait for that to happen." You know what I mean? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to it wrap does my mind have around like a, it. An innocent child factor to it, right? Like a kid, you're fine with like he's jolly, but like if yeah, at a certain point, if you're told like a twenty year old, a man's going to show up in your <laughs> yeah. home. And he has a bunch of stuff that you want. And he's like, gonna eat oh, you. like, well, I don't know if I like that or not, but about to bring maybe you I'll be game for it. It's crazy. How does he get in? How does he do that? Well, I, yeah. Either way, Henry Foister, according to the community, was not one to believe in, in ghosts or not. Um, Mr. Um, Big one Bridges. Day, when he went out to his garden, he heard his retriever, his, his uh, pet retriever, howling at something wildly. And when he came and turned the corner, he saw the dog cowering in the corner uh, behind something. Uh, and while barking at the fruit trees just dead ahead. Following the dog's gaze, Bull saw a pair of legs. When these moved out of cover of the foliage, the body was seen to be headless. Yo, is this my dudes, the freaking Fresno Nightcrawlers? (laughs) (laughs) The headless body crossed the garden, walked clean through the locked gate, and left his sight. The young reverend also saw the notoriously ghostly coach of Borley drawn by two horses and driven by a headless coachman. What the fuck is this shit? (laughs) This is something that would uh, a lot of stories where at night they would hear the horses run and you could hear the wheels of the carriage. And when they would look out, they could see the carriage with two orange lights. This is Mr. Bull. (laughs) Yeah, this is Mr. Bull. Uh, Mr. Mr. Bull, the younger. The younger bull is all is saying this. The older like, bull also said this, though. He's like, pop, 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 poppycock, <laughs> pop, pop, pop. This is made up. No way. No, he's he's the one telling the stories. I know, but he didn't get scared off. Like, no, nope. uh, no, not at all. He absolutely was fine with it all. I uh-huh. I don't know about that. If I saw that, that's too much. Interestingly, though, uh, on another occasion, bull bull heard the hooves and heavy wheels on the road behind him. Stepping in to let the vehicle pass, he heard it rush by, but saw nothing. Though the noise gradually diminished in the distance and could be heard dying away slowly and slowly. <laughs> like Alex is like smiling, but Jesse the whole time is just like, no, no, no. It's like a Dark Souls boss cutscene is what yes. we're talking about. Yes. yes. Oh, my Absolutely. God. That's dead on. Yeah. You're like, uh, what is that? What was that? And then it's like, did it, did it. And there's like a tentacle but monster that is a carriage somehow <laughs> furthermore the yeah. young- i'm sorry i just it, i have it in my head the yeah. the the car- the guy riding like riding the carriage is also the horse yeah he's like yeah and he's, he's like, also attached face. to the bottom of the okay, yeah oh i see it i see it as that. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> be more like a bloodborne boss though. yeah you know what i'm gonna take it yeah bloodborne is more accurate yeah bloodborne definitely <laughs> Another interesting encounter the the family had was when young Ethel and Frida Bull were returning to the rectory from a summer party they had just went to. As they were emerging from the trees under the lawn, they saw, quote, a female figure with a bowed head dressed entirely in black in the garb of a nun. 
It appeared to be gliding rather than walking, and after watching her for some time, the girls took her to be a ghost and became intensely frightened. I just like to imagine as they just watch for a while, they decide it's a ghost, and you just look to each other and be like, man, we should probably be scared, and then freak out. Here's the thing. I know exactly. I told you guys about that time when I was like sitting there waiting for that thing to move for like an hour with my friend when I was trying to leave his house for a party and we like saw this thing on the fence. Sometimes you just got to stare at it for a little bit and decide what you, what, how you feel. Because I was literally like for a, a good hour, just like, should I go over there? Like one is I <laughs> a good hour and never moved. And you're just like, I still don't know. Yeah. Did they, did they, did they say who this nun is supposed to be? No, we don't have, have a name for the nun. The no. nun apparently the nun has been dates showing back. Up. Yeah. For yeah, the nun has been showing like up since like 1819. Like, it, there's no name for this nun. There, and this is what I, I, I don't know if the descriptors match, though, right? Like, there's, I guess, I guess it's hard because no, the fashion sense of nuns has not changed all that much in the, yeah. but like, it's clear this nun was from way before. And if there's been two buildings standing there beforehand, this could have been a nun from like the 1600s for all we yeah. know. What well, was the nun wearing like beats by Dre? That's what I'm saying. No one knows. Like the descriptors aren't very like, and the nun looked like this. It's yeah, not right. a lot of that. So. She could have been wearing beats by Dre. Is it, no too, is it too much to uh, like for a nun to have beats by Dre? Like, do you think a nun could get access to that in 2021? What if I donated beats by Dre to a nun? Could a they nun take would it? not wear beats by Dre. I'm saying, can she save up somehow with some money of her own somewhere and get some beats by Dre? Or, like, There's only is, one brand a nun would wear. Mathis, what are you? What is it? What brand would Sony? a nun wear? Raycons. That's exactly what they would wear. Raycons. Go over to uh, Raycon.com slash CP slash CP and get your 15% off right now. Thank free, you. That's free on the house, Raycon. We love there you. Go. Uh, yeah. So um, intensely frightened, they ran off and one of them ran inside to get their sister, Elsie, who responded, quote, what nonsense? I'll go and speak to it. She then ran across the lawn only to have the nun turn and face her for a few seconds before vanishing into thin air. And you would think, oh, this person's going to describe the nun to us. Nah. <gasps> and that's where the story ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't take my word for it. Picture any nun that How you want. However, in, the, in autumn of 1927, a traveling carpenter by the name of Fred Cartwright also claims to have saw the nun four times in two weeks. Did he ever he happen to make some really impossibly well-made stairs? <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's uh, yeah. He actually did. He, <laughs> he finished up a gorgeous spiral staircase. Yeah. Uh, he was not local to the area and had never even heard of the Borley ghost stories prior. Apparently, you know, allegedly. And on each occasion, I assume the figure was actually a, a living nun. His suspicions were aroused only on his fourth sighting when the woman inexplicably disappeared from view. Again, though, no descriptors. Where did they get this, all these? Where did they get these statements then? I just I imagine they just ask them and then don't don't do. OK, can you give us the description now? They just mm. kind of probably like let the story be. Others it's, also were been, down. it's also been long enough that many of these seem like they were stories of a story of a story. Where also like, I wasn't awesome. there, so I didn't ask what it looked like. But here's the story. Like that kind of thing. I don't know. I yeah. bet you that freaking Derek Akora became this nun in uh most haunted <laughs> uh 
Well, you, as you were asking, uh, Alex, like, why has nobody done anything about it? All these hauntings are happening and nothing's happened and they've just kind of dealt with it. Well, in 1928, the new reverend, Reverend Guy Smith and his wife, Mabel, moved into Borley Rectory and the couple had no children. When cleaning out the house, Mabel discovered a brown paper parcel and upon unwrapping it, found herself looking at a small human skull. How, this, how small? Like that of to be a, that of a child. Yeah. Oh no. This was, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> this small skull was presently buried in the churchyard by her husband alone in the house. Shortly after guy was crossing the landing outside the notoriously haunted blue room. When he heard whispering rising to form the audible pleading words. Don't Carlos. Don't. That's uh, from were. Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride. <laughs> Don't tell him, Carlos. Don't be chicken. <laughs> oh, God. Footsteps were, were then heard in the rectory so often that one day Guy Smith leapt out from behind a wall with a hockey stick to strike the intruder, only to find himself slicing thin air. Bells again rang on their own, and the servant, Mary Peterson, twice saw the phantom coach speeding by. So it was then in June of 1929, less than a year into their residence, the Smiths themselves contacted the Daily Mirror. Smith would be present on the night when Price and Wall were mysteriously showered with pebbles and slate that we talked about earlier. And that same summer, the Smiths moved out into lodgings and in October 1930, Borley gained a new vicar. They actually did end up hiring somebody to come dig up the grounds at the Borley Rectory as well. But that wouldn't be till about two decades later. The new Ricker te- uh, didn't actually really find much. Uh, tellingly, the Reverend Lionel Foister took on the haunted parish only at the intervention of surviving members of the Bull family to whom he was actually related. He had a wife, Marianne, many years of his younger, and an adopted daughter, three years old, by the name of Adelaide, which is a name I friggin' love. Like Ethel Bull before her, Marianne seems to have acted as a focus for what, whatever was haunting Borley. For the activity now hit levels of violence and persecution not seen before. Numerous household items vanished, whilst objects which they did not own appeared from nowhere. And one day, Marianne took off her watch to wash her hands, Turning back to retrieve it, she found that the strap had disappeared, though the watch itself remained. Objects were frequently thrown at or past the couple, and Marianne was once struck so badly by an invisible force as to be left with a cut and a black eye. She was thrown out of bed several times, and mysterious writings apparently connected with her now began to appear on the walls of the house. It's like PT. It really is. Yep. On several occasions, Marianne saw the ghost of Henry Bull I, who had allegedly warned his family that, if discontented in the afterlife, he would return as a poltergeist. Although Marianne was certainly not the most reliable witness in the Borley's history, it is telling that the dressing gown she saw Bull wearing was recognized by older Borley locals who had heard her description. As said, though, there were other witnesses that were not family. A full account of the Foister sufferings would run to a short book with Lionel having kept a detailed diary of the events from the beginning of their stay. With even Adelaide apparently struck and persecuted, these events would have given many people a nervous breakdown. And with Price now on the scene, there was no shortage of outside witnesses. 
Along with the workmen who saw stones tumbling down the stairs, there's a Lady Whitehouse, a friend of the Foisters, and her nephew Richard. On December 14, 1931, Lionel, Marianne, and Richard all saw a thin glass tumbler drop from thin air to land at Richard's feet. He would later stress that no one could have thrown this without breaking it. Lady Whitehouse was present when a fire started spontaneously, and she also saw flints falling from nowhere. Flints? In January 19... Oops, sorry, go ahead. Like, like, like kindling? Like, like yeah. kin- kindling like and flint. flint? Like that, like, uh, you know, like when you enter like a really cool cinematic scene and there's like, you know, like a yeah. little, yeah. Like, that. are we talking like, are these ghosts just like kind of being menacing? Like they're like, well, they, they know how to watch put out on a good light show. You, dog. You know what this is for? It's all warning sparks. It's not like embers, but it's like, you know. Flint is like what you use to make sparks. You like like hit it against itself. Yeah. Yeah, It adds a a bit of panache to the fire show. It's like a sealed box of matches. It's like showing up out of nowhere. (laughs) In January 1932, another visitor by the name of Mr. G. Lestrange. Lestrange? I know. Are you fucking I know, kidding I know. me? I was. I didn't know if anybody was going to pull it out. Doctor dude, Strange. I, I, tried to, I tried to move on yet. Mister G. Lestrange, Lestrange had only just parked his car when he saw a figure standing by the porch. And seconds later, just as after as he uh, caught his eyes on it, it vanished. And later in his stay, Lestrange heard footsteps pass by the sofa on which uh, the one that he was sitting on, and then fade through the wall behind him. Impressively, the Foisters lasted until October 1935, leaving then only because of Lionel's increasingly severe arthritis. Listen, ghosts, ghosts weren't the problem. Arthritis was it the real It always will killer. be. It always is. Yeah. <laughs> but by this stage, the church had had enough of Borley Rectory. Two parishes were merged and the building put was put up for sale. Before a buyer could be found, though, Price was able to rent the house and in the times of tw- uh, in the times on the 25th of May 1937 an unusual advertisement began quote haunted house responsible persons of leisure and intelligence intrepid critical and unbiased are invited invited to join a rota of observers in a year's day and night investigation of alleged haunted house after weeding out thrill seekers cranks and opportunists Price managed to enroll many what he deemed reliable observers including engineers doctors undergraduates and military men how many Rappings, people are we talking about uh you're looking at at least like somewhere around like 10 or so at least a God witcher's book worth of characters <laughs> yeah witcher's worth of characters a witcher's yeah, exactly. worth <laughs> joseph witcher's worth <laughs> Rappings, crashes. Yeah. Yeah. god mm. Yum. <laughs> a witcher's worth original mm. <laughs> get the fuck amazing out of here. <laughs> Rappings, crashes, bell ringing, and movement of objects were recorded with the report of Mark Kerr, Mark Kerr Pierce, a Geneva diplomat, running to almost 10,000 words. And when we say recorded, we mean typed out, like, you know, in, in words. It was thanks to Price's energy and enterprise that Borley became not just one of the most haunted houses ever, but perhaps one of the best documented of the time. But Borley Rectory would not stand forever. In autumn 1938, Borley was purchased by Captain W.H. Gregson, and on midnight on February 27th, 1939, Borley Rectory caught fire. 
Just like they always do, right? Yeah, yeah. And while we can't be certain ghosts may have caused it, it's very unlikely that they did. See, he just bought, he bought it at about 500 pounds, and Gregson had insured it for 10,000 pounds. And years later, his son, Anthony, stated that the captain had started the fire himself. Hell yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, you buy that thing for 500, you have that thing insured for 10 grand? Yeah, of course he did. So now it's like some kind of like burnt out freaking like Yeah, it's a burnt out husk at this point, 1938. Yeah, Fully scary Um, location at this point. But even though the rectory was just a shell of its former self, a haunting continued. A chauffeur heard the invisible phantom coach hurtling by him. And Charles Brown and his friends once one night saw a girl in white looking through the burned out window of the blue room upstairs. She was standing in empty air. Army officers who tried to use the site during the war had stones thrown at them and found the general atmosphere so negative that they didn't stay. From 1947 to 1950, James and Alice Turner occupied the surviving cottage. On hot summer days, they would hear the voices and laughter of children from the orchard. And on one occasion, the sound of heavy footsteps as though someone was walking on bare boards. During a 1961 investigation, battery torches and car headlamps all failed without obvious cause. And as recently as 2000, Colin Wilson spoke to a television crew which had recorded hollow footsteps, the creaking of a door that no longer exists, and a deep sigh that impressed everyone who heard it as profoundly unhappy. That is the overall story of Borley Rectory. However, there's still a little bit that needs to be talked about. First, was Borley Rectory actually haunted? The answer, in my mind, is no. And one of the most telling pieces of evidence that we would have is that one of the maidens, the the servants that lived there and uh, lived with the families and and apparently had many sightings of carriages and full-on figures, many years later went out in an interview to say that all of that was made up she saw nothing and merely went along with it for the fun of the story. Were they the burning, benefiting course, from it? Like, were they uh, getting money? She, oh God, did she benefit from it? Um, I don't think she, that particular person, I don't think so. I mean, isn't so. it, that's, that's one of the biggest things about hauntings and paranormal stuff and aliens is people want to like be in it in the moment. Yeah. There's like a human nature about it. That's why I don't trust nobody. I want to yeah. physically be in it. I want to like be at the Borley Rectory. And you know what? You know what? Cra- you know what's crazy? I have heard of the Borley Rectory for sure. I have no idea where because neither Ghost Adventures nor Most Haunted have done oh. a show there. So I don't know why I know about it. Maybe it's maybe um, I've always known about it. Maybe you always have. Moreover, though, now if if the servant wasn't enough. Marianne Foister herself later in her life admitted that she had also seen no apparitions and that the alleged ghostly noises were caused by the wind. Friends she invited to the house and in other cases by herself playing practical jokes on her husband. So even even then they were admitting that they were the ones doing a lot of the stuff. Damn. Many of the legends about the rectory had been completely invented for the fun of it. And the children of Reverend Harry Bull, who lived in the house before Lionel Foister, claimed to have seen nothing and were surprised that they had been living in what was described as England's most haunted house. Robert Hastings was one of the few SPR researchers to defend Price, who actually said the place was haunted. And Price's literary executor, Paul Tabarini and Paul Underwood, have also defended Price against accusations of fraud. 
Uh, just to put that out. I there. wish I had a, a similar approach was made by to like defend yeah. my reputation. Yep. Um, so all in all, the Borley report, as it's known, is mostly described and and proclaimed as uh, a bunch of boo howie, nothing, bullshit, lies, and the like. However, there's still others out there. The 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 um, the experiences outside the family uh, that obviously can't fully be explained away. But if you ask me, again, in that time, I think it was just a a fun thing to do. Um, I don't know what you boys think. I know you. So you, what did you know, Jesse, of that story? Is that pretty much what you knew? Yeah, about? yeah. I was. Uh, that's why I didn't want to spoil it because, as far <laughs> as I'm aware, it's a giant hoax. But it's fascinating that people keep buying into it. Like every time mm-hmm. someone else moves in, every time someone is drawn there, they're always like, "I heard things," and it's like, "Well, did they or did they buy the land so they could continue?" Like, "Oh, I'm unhaunted." Like, who knows? Who knows? Yep. Yeah. Um. You know, there's other little things that happen that are kind of like, again, negligible. Uh, one of the big things or the one that a lot of people point to rather is that after all the fire in the 40s, they found two bones. Um, they actually did find two bones of they, that initially they were like children's bones. Um, but the village and after testing or the, the, the area not the village, the area and after testing said they were pig bones. But those who are so fully believe that the place is completely haunted, say that that's not true, that they're actually bones of a young woman. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's the story of the one of the if one of if not the most haunted house or haunted areas in England uh, that is to be considered recorded. Here's uh, but yeah. that's it. Here's the thing. Like, do I love an unexplainable, scary story? Of course I do. You know what I mean? Like, yep. nothing gets me more excited. But when you're faced with a story like this, which undeniably has cool elements. And like, if you look at a picture of this place, like, you know, you want to you want to imagine there's ghosts there. I mean, you look at the pictures of it now. It looks cool as hell. And that's what I mean. Like, I want to go r- play metal and like record a self-made music video in there. You know what I mean? But like when there's so much peer reviewed evidence of it not being real, it's hard to sort of like continue on with the flight of fancy. Right. Like there's plenty of unexplained ghost sightings out there that don't have some sort of reasonable explanation that are worth obsessing over. And it's sad that this one doesn't. But like. You know, it doesn't seem real to me. What we need is uh, someone to do what they did with Skinwalker Ranch. Someone just needs to buy the land and just set up insane amounts of surveillance and just record. And look at all the great results they got from Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I am convinced now more than ever that that place is a flap. I want to. You know what? We should talk about the Oak Island show. That would be a great thing to get into, too. Just endless examinations <laughs> a money pit a money pit all right well that's it for us today on the Illuminati podcast thank you for coming with us on this uh long long journey and uh up to 91 episodes that's crazy we're almost at 100 um soon we will be doing uh the betty and barney hill case yeah uh, so look forward to that the classic and, uh, case yeah we, we, uh, we got Deanne is working uh, working on it right now alongside me. We're reading a couple of books for it. Probably going to be a couple of multi-parter. That's I'm excited like the one, right? Yeah. Like you need to you. That's like if you want more aliens, this is like what I would consider part of the aliens 101 like episodes that yes. we do. This is necessary to dive into. Um, so we're going to dive super heavy into that probably starting uh, in a couple of weeks. So be excited. Other than that, go to uh, to the yeti.com slash collection slash Chiluminati. We're just about to website. watch. Yeah, we're just about to launch some new stuff. So scoop up all the old stuff while it's still there, because once it's gone, it's gone. 
Uh, that's it for us. We'll see you next week. Thank you guys so much for watching. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, Holy shit, get out here. So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky. Thank you.